You're listening to Drawing the Line. I'm Roman McCutcheon. And I'm Brad Reeves. And today we're talking about doubt and how it comes from uncertainty. Season two, we're going to start off strong. Let's get started. All right, season two, Brad. We're here. Even though this is a part two episode, we left we left season one on a cliffhanger. All right, season two, episode fourteen. Uh, sure, or season two, episode one. I don't. I, maybe episode. I don't know. We'll figure it out in editing, I guess, at some point. But this is technically episode fourteen. But maybe we'll look at it as season two, episode one. We're I think we got to stick with fourteen so that people can tell these things apart. You can't that get can't confuse episode one, season one. Anyway, we we left with a cliffhanger. We last did, time. yeah, and we let we left people with a lot of uncertainty a lot of uncertainty are they are, are they ever coming back is <laughs> what happened are, are we ever going to get any more episodes well here you go here we're it making is. it now here we are um and we're obviously continuing you know on you know this is part two of uncertainty and the ideas um the ups and downs that can come from uncertainty and i think we want we want to dive like headlong into doubt yeah, uh, we we talked about that a little bit at the end of uh, you know the the last podcast, mm-hmm. and so we want to pick up on that. But I thought it was a great discussion last time. I'm yeah. excited to jump back into it. Yeah, I, I think that it's it's such a it's a relevant topic. I think that you know it, it, seemingly now when we thought that you know there was a vaccine with COVID, and now you thought that like 2021 was going to bring this. I think for for a fair amount of people that 2020 was going to bring this like oh everything's better now and the you know the, right. the roses are blooming yes. right right and 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 now clearly it's not. Um, well, six days in, we had you know a, an insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. Right. Um, we have these new strains that are like more. Uh, yeah. more contagious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of uncertainty to go around. So mm-hmm. for, for the past, I think we're like almost exactly a year since the first U.S. COVID case. Yeah. Um, but so last year for sure, and now it's looking like, you know, this year, a few weeks into this year, we've got lots of uncertainty and, and lots of doubt. So there's lots of uncertainty in our day-to-day lives, but I think the, the reason we're talking about it is because that uncertainty in our day-to-day lives also can translate into spiritual uncertainty oh, yeah. and doubt in sort of like, what, what are we all doing here? What's behind all this? Why are things happening? You start to ask maybe bigger questions and try to make sense of things. Yeah, and, and so in, in considering uncertainty, the idea of doubt is very prevalent within that, within that concept. And um, everyone at some point deals with doubt on some level. Um, with something, whatever that is. And, and I think that as we were talking towards the end of the last episode that, you know, is it okay to have doubts? Um, you know, is, is it okay to maybe hold on to those? What does it look like? Can you hold on too long? And, and I think that that's, that's, that's a good place to start now because I think that's something that needs attention and that it maybe sometimes doesn't get it as much as it should. And, and so, you know, Brad, when considering doubt and all the things that I mentioned, you know, where, where, where does your head go? Well, I, you know, I, I, I go to experience, I go to my own experience and I think about the times in my life, uh, when I've been more certain or when I've been less certain and times when, you know, doubts have crept in, or maybe sometimes because of circumstances, I've, 
all of a sudden being confronted or, or had significant doubt. Yeah. But I guess one of the things I do um, as as a Christian is I do look toward the Scripture and I look toward characters in the Scripture. And yeah. I, I want to talk about... Um, you know, maybe we can talk about some some other characters. I just started thinking about it. You know, before this podcast, I was thinking about all the different examples of people who had doubts. You mentioned Moses yeah. in our last podcast. You know, certainly somebody who had doubts. You have a doubting Thomas. We even call Thomas doubting Thomas, right? Yeah. Um, you you know, I was thinking about uh, Zechariah, uh, John the Baptist's father, who who doubted and and was mute. Um, first thing, I think even, even people who were paragons of faith, people like Gideon, you could yeah. say Gideon doubted, mm-hmm. um, Peter famously, right. uh, you know, d- doubted and d- denied. Um, so th- there's just example after Sarah, um, you know, yeah. Abraham's wife. I mean, it could, I just started thinking about, and they kept more and more and more sort of coming to mind. And then there was perhaps what I, what I think is maybe the craziest example of people doubting in the scripture and it includes the 11 this is after judas had right hung himself right this is the end of matthew uh jesus has been resurrected he's come back from the dead oh yeah right and he's been seen uh by the women first and then and then the the men the 11 came back uh, to Galilee and they went to see Jesus on the mountain. That's where Jesus had said to meet him. And when they saw him, this is Matthew chapter 28, verse 17. It says, when they saw him, they worshiped him. Mm. But the, the, uh, the verse doesn't stop there. It says they worshiped him, but some doubted. Mm. Right? So this is the 11. This is the 11 apostles and Jesus has sort of just done his the ultimate act. He's he's come back from the dead, but yet they've still doubted. So the reason I just run through maybe all those examples is to say we if we doubt, if we doubt in our lives, not just doubts about everyday things, but if we doubt, if we have spiritual doubts, if we have doubts about God, if we have doubts about what we believe, um doubts about what we've been taught, um, even doubts about things that we didn't used to have doubts about, right? Yeah. If doubts develop. We are not any different from a host of people in sure. the Scripture. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, we just have example after example after example in the Scripture of people who doubted. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm not quite sure that all of the people are there in order to serve as a bad example, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, sure. I, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, one, and maybe this is kind of weird, but like that's, you know, this Matthew 28, that's almost comforting because I think of the disciples and I think, okay, um, yeah, they had faith, but like a lot of it was also fact for them because they saw it firsthand. It was tangible. Yeah, right? they, they did some of it firsthand. I mean, like, I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? Right. And so um, now it's like, no, they still had doubts, and they had witnessed or and were a part of all of these incredible miracles and the power of God, and, and, and they still struggled. And so for me, it's like, man, that... I know that may, that may, may, not, supposed, may not supposed to be comforting, but, right. like, it is because I think, okay, well, if they had doubts... It makes a whole lot more sense for me to have doubts on some days uh, because 
it's not like I had, you know, literal, literal Jesus walking next to me and doing all these cool, amazing things. Right. And that's exactly, I think what Jesus says, we're talking about doubting Thomas, right? Is that, you know, he says, you know, blessed are you, you know, you've seen and now you believe, but blessed Mm -hmm. are those who haven't seen and believe. So I do think maybe there's a a tension here between we know that belief and and overcoming doubt is sort of the right place to be or, or where we want to go. But I think what I'm also saying at the same time is that doubt seems to be a, certainly, uh, it's a part of the process. Like just, just, Truthfully, it, it is a part of the process, but I would even maybe say, and this is, I think, what we were talking about last time, maybe it is a necessary part of the process, or it's a component yeah. of, of getting there with belief and yeah. faith. There is another um, sort of angle I wanted to take. In, in the scripture, you have the Psalms, mm-hmm. right? And there's there's a ton of Psalms, and the Psalms do a lot of different things. I mean, there's some Psalms that just say, everything is fine, everything is great, God is wonderful, just keep keep crushing it, right? right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> so there's a bunch that fall into that category. Then there's some that are more like, a little bit more realistic, like, you know, things are tough, I'm having a really tough time, um, but you know what? I believe in an amazing God, and God has come in or is going to come in and, and God rescues me. Yeah. Right. But then you have this other category and, and admittedly these are fewer, but there's still these Psalms there that are more like, you know, things are really bad. Yeah. And God, uh, wh- where are you? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, God, you promised this, you promised that. Um, and so I thought it might be helpful, you know, in looking at doubt, I know we don't usually sort of read from extended passages or anything, or I guess we have, but we can, it's a new season. It is a whole new season. So we can do whatever, right? Do whatever we want. So I thought I'd just read through Psalms 88, okay? And the, and the reason I want to do that and read through the, it's not super long. It's not like the like Psalm 139 or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was to take you 30 minutes to read it. It's, it's because I, I want you to sit with the fact that, there's really no resolution in this psalm, which which I don't think is something that we normally do sit with too much when we're talking about scripture, or, or really when we're just talking about religion mm-hmm. or, or being in church. To 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 sit with. Well, let me get. Let me just go ahead and read it. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Okay, that that's the high point right there. I'll just oh. tell you right now. Okay, you are the God who saves me. <laughs> Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I'm overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. It doesn't get any better, Roman. Oh, good. Good to know. (laughs) All right. Uh, 
I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness and destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry out to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and I am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. Mm. You have taken from me friend and neighbor darkness is my closest friend in wow. scene <laughs> so yeah i want to start on a high note this season but instead i thought we'd read <laughs> psalm 88 <laughs> so tell me roman like what when you read i mean that's the end that's the the resolution of this is that darkness is my closest friend right What do you do with a psalm that starts beginning to end like this? How do you process it first? And then I I think I want to talk about maybe, you know, if it's, if it's helpful, but how do you, how does it strike you? Um, I think it's, it's sometimes really relatable. You know how sometimes when you're sad, you listen to sad songs so that you can stay sad um, that's kind of where my mind goes when I hear that. I, I think that um, I'm just having a moment, uh, and sometimes you just need to just kind of say it out loud. And the idea of you know darkness is my closest friend is, I mean it's it's dramatic, very dramatic, but 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 also that doesn't take away from, you know, the reality of what it is. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I mean, if I can just be real honest, um, you know, I, you know, at times definitely feel like that. Well, let me ask you this then. How often have you heard somebody say something like this or talk like this in church? Not too often. Actually, How? not really ever. I can, not actually, never that I can remember. No, and we and we we, we, don't, we don't we don't rehearse these questions, right? No, we Ob- don't. Obviously, no. if that's not obvious. <laughs> um, but even like, how often have you you know heard a lesson or a teaching that concentrates on a psalm like this? That is just that just from beginning to end is essentially despair. No, I mean you. You don't, not really, not anymore anyway. I mean, maybe when, you know, my grandfather was a minister or maybe he was in church at some point, you know, fire and brimstone time, but that's not really a thing anymore. I think people tend to focus on the things that make them feel good. And because, I mean, who wants to, who wants to attend a gathering where we get sad? Well, let's talk about this writer right now. I mean, like doesn't shouldn't this guy now he doesn't have the whole bible i guess cuz if if you're if you're writing the song you know the new testament hasn't come along yet but i guess i'm wondering is there something wrong with this guy like maybe he just does he just not 
believe enough? Does he have too much doubt? I'm assuming it's a he. I, I guess I don't know. Um, right. So, I mean, what what's up with him? Like, what would we say? Wouldn't we try, if somebody like this came in and, and said this to us in more modern language, um, would I we would, send them to, like, the suicide helpline or something? Right, or? I'd be like, hey, let's talk. I mean, like, let's have a yeah. conversation. I mean, like, that's... I mean, you're saying some stuff that's alarming, one. I mean, and then at, at the same time, it's like, okay. Darkness is my only friend. Right, like, all right, well, then, you know, let's maybe create some other friends. You right. know, like, let's, how can I help? I mean, and. Hello, darkness, my right, that's old a, friend. That's exactly what all I thought right, of when I you first said that, right? Okay. And so I, actually, I'm upset I didn't sing that first. But, um, you know, that is a, you know, you know dealing with, so I, I worked at a, um child, you know, rehabilitation slash foster care center. And that was one of the things that you really, you you had to focus in on because the, you know, the reality of depression in adolescents who have had a struggled home life or who themselves have done some things that, you know, gotten themselves into trouble. Depression is a very real thing that can have some very, you know, deadly consequences. And so you have to be alert. And so, you know, you're constantly, you, you, you know, we're constantly looking and, and watching. And I'm glad that I had that experience because I think it has, it has given me greater perspective in, you know, youth and family ministry. Well, there was a reality in their lives that that was, um, you know, those feelings, those emotions, those thoughts were even more likely to show up. Mm-hmm. But I think, so you were exposed to that maybe almost like kind of through a fire hose a little bit, but the reality is that 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 is a part of of our lives that's a part of humanity yes right and so i guess one thing to note here is just that the bible doesn't seem to be as afraid of including this including psalms like this right as maybe we are uncomfortable with including talk like this or scripture like this mm-hmm. in our classes or in our sermons. Right. I think it makes us more uncomfortable than it seems to make the Bible. The Bible seems to be very comfortable with having uh, examples like this. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And and, and you know, and I think that one of the things that uh, you know we've talked about before is that churches pride themselves on being biblically based, and and yet we have moments like this that we or say moments like scripture like this, where we sometimes skim over or we'll go over because it's like, uh, that doesn't bring me to a happy place right now. And, and if we're going to be biblically, biblically based, we need to be entirely like the whole Bible. Well, we need to have some sort of consistent ethic or we need to have a consistent approach with what we do with the scripture. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't seem to be consistent to, you know, to to harp on certain parts of the scripture and then to completely ignore other parts like we need to process it now if there are some parts that we're not going to live out right there needs to be a reason why um so that that's you know you know uh, similar to conversations we've had before about biblical interpretation so uh the old testament theologian walter brueggemann he calls these uh parts of the Bible, Israel's counter testimony. So in other words, you have, um, you know, you have people who will testify as to God. Like I said, the, the Psalms that sort of fall into the first category, like yeah. God is awesome. He's on our side. 
and we just keep crushing it every single day, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so that's testimony. That's yeah. t- testifying. That's God is good all the time, right? Yeah. But then you have this, you know, counter testimony where it's like, well, wait a second, God. You, and it, you, you, you are the God who saves, but here's what's actually happening in my life right now. Mm-hmm. I don't understand this. Yeah. This seems inconsistent to me, God. Yeah. And, and so I, I do think it's beautiful, quite frankly, that the Bible includes this counter testimony. Yeah. It, to me, it makes it so much more legitimate. Mm-hmm. It, it just just in the way that if you if you watch a an infomercial, you know, if people come on the infomercial and they're just so over the top, and you, you oh, yeah. in at the bottom, maybe it says paid, you know, paid actors, or oh, dramatizer, yeah, yeah. or whatever. But if people are just so over the top, you're just like, well, that that just doesn't seem real. Yeah. And I think increasingly in in generations, like uh, you know, our generation, but later, you know, once once we get into you know. Millennial, Gen Y, Gen Z. Yeah. I think there is this, um, you know, that those types of testimony don't necessarily ring true. Well, yeah, and 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 so I consider, you know, uh, you know, just kind of going back and like you were saying, is it starts with the Lord, the God who saves me. Lord, you are the God who saves me. So yep. it's like I have an understanding of who you are, but also I don't. And I, and, and so I, I, I need, it's almost like there's this cry for help. It's just like, I, I need, I'm trying to figure this out. And, and, and to me, it almost, it almost comes off as, and, and, you know, I know that this may not, not help what we're trying to talk about, but the idea of what doubt even is, because if this individual has an understanding of the Lord, you know, Lord is, is the God who saves me. But yet I'm still going through all of this stuff. Is that doubt or is that just how Christianity goes and we don't like it? And and is is there a difference between the things that I don't like and not understanding the things I don't like and actual doubt of how great God is? Oh, that's good. That's interesting. Right. Well, I think it depends on some of these other scriptures. Sure, because absolutely. Because that's the that's the point, right? Is that you can read uh, one way to read these other scriptures, like let's say if you if you ignore these, right. is you do read the other ones and you think, well, hey, God is the God who saves. He's not only the God who saves, he's the God who provides, he's the God, you know, who sees. He's mm-hmm. all, all these different Jehovah's, right? He's all these different right. gods and um you know, and, and, and he protects yeah, and, and, and all these different things. But when that doesn't happen, mm-hmm. then you you find yourself questioning those, yeah. those scriptures, right? So, yeah, I, I agree with you that what's really happening, it's not even, I don't know if doubt is the best word, but there's some sort of dissonance going on where, where maybe it's your images of God yeah. are, are in conflict. And, and maybe that's just sort of backing the train all the way up. What we're really trying to do here is to figure out who God is, what God is like. And, and that's interesting because that's kind of been the thread through the last three podcasts when oh, we yeah. started with divine violence and uncertainty and now with sort of mm-hmm. faith and doubt. You know, I, I've heard um, a phrase 
um, and this is, I think this is, this is a, a Rob Bell from Velvet Elvis, from his first book, Velvet, Velvet Elvis. Elvis. Right, which, which he says uh, that he considers faith and doubt to be excellent dance partners. Mm. And I, I like that. And what he was talking about is he was talking about how his experience in a conservative evangelical setting is that most churches did not have very much room for doubt. In yeah. other words, if you show up with doubt, they try to put you in a class or, or fix yeah. that as an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if, if instead a church could be a place where doubts are um, welcomed in the sense that they are acknowledged yeah. and appreciated and sort of like, just like we're not going to rip Psalm 88 out of the Bible. Yeah. That's like, it's there. Right. And it ends this way. Well, like the, there's a song by, I, I you can correct me if I'm wrong, by 38 Special called Hold On Loosely. And the idea there is like, hold on loosely, but don't let go. Because if you cling too tightly, you're going to lose control. And so the idea is that, the, the, you know, to sometimes there's this feeling that you come into the church and that you have to have it all together. You have to hold on so tightly to, like, I have all my stuff together that, you know, we're losing perception of how life really is. And sometimes we need to be able to just acknowledge, like you were saying, and allow there to be questioning and doubt because that is reality, right? That is, that is life. You know, you know, we like to say that it's, it's, you know, life outside of these, you know, these, these four walls in this building. Right. Right. But that's life within the building. Your life doesn't like change once you walk in these, you know, walk in the double doors of the building. Right. You just, you know, maybe put on a really cool face and make it seem like you got it all together. Right. And, and I say you, um, saying me, um, you know, and I wish that went away. But that I think happens with our beliefs too, not just sort of with our, you're talking about in terms of our life, having our life together. I mean, maybe that has to do with, um, you know, our, our, our relationships, our finances, our whatever. Right. So those are sort of life circumstances. But I think this also happens when it comes to our beliefs. Oh, sure. Like I said, maybe coming back to who God is. So I don't want, I I hesitate to even say this because I want to take too hard of a, of a 90 degree term, but you know, we just, I think the the inauguration was yesterday. Mm -hmm. And one thing I, I saw this morning that was interesting is you have this group, uh, QAnon, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, they have some, it's a, there's some conspiracy theories about, you know, the, um, you know, certain people are pedophiles and I don't, there's, there's, it gets really right. intense and, and weird, but anyway, you know, they were, um, and according to some of these conspiracy theories, like something cataclysmic was going to happen yesterday Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to Joe Biden becoming president, that right. you know, Donald Trump was going to still be the president. It was going to out the the pedophiles and things like that were going to go on. Like I said, it's kind of wacky conspiracy stuff. But here's what was interesting is the article was talking about how after sort of the inauguration went off without a hitch mm-hmm. that these QAnon on these QAnon groups, people were saying like, well, actually, uh, Joe Biden is now the is Q. He's the 
he's the person inside the government right. that's going to battle. Like they they had come up with sort of all these strategies or Actually, when Donald Trump, you know, gave his press conference at Andrews Air Force Base, there were 17 flags behind him, and Q is the 17th letter of the alphabet, and so that means that right. he's still part of Q. And da-da. so, here's my point: is that the holding on tightly sometimes we can hold on to things so tightly mm-hmm. that we start making things up oh yeah just to try to keep it together like we we stop seeing reality for what it is yeah and and what can happen what i worry about the most that can happen for christians is that they start to create a reality that when somebody who's not a christian or or maybe they you know it's not even that they're an atheist or something, but just somebody who's not sort of holding onto things some so tightly mm-hmm. that maybe somebody you would want to positively influence right. when they see you, they're sort of like, wow, they seem to be sort of detached from reality. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't know that that's the type of person that Jesus was. Right. Jesus seemed to be so firmly connected with reality that he had no problem being with the people for whom reality kind of sucked for them. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, for like sure. Like they were, they were lepers, they were prostitutes, they were considered sinners, they were taxed. Like reality was rough for them. Yeah. They were second class, third class citizens. They were untouchable. The women in that society were looked at in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jesus had no problem with dealing with that reality in, and, and maybe... He, he saved his harshest criticism for the Pharisees who had like created their own reality because talk about holding on tightly, man, they were holding oh, on yeah. to it tightly. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, it's, it's funny that, you know, you, you mentioned the idea of, you know, this, this kind of perception of what holding on tightly is like. And, and, and I, it's funny, I, I, I play pickleball on a regular basis. I enjoy, I enjoy playing and I play with, all different types from people that are, you know, younger than me in their, you know, early twenties to people that are in their seventies. See, I'm a braggart. You're, you're a, no, it's a, it, no, it's all right. You're, I'm, sp- you're, you're, you're now I'm a, sponsored. Yes. A sponsored pickleball player. C- correct. That is true. I don't want to throw you off track. I no. just, you're not going to, I know you're not going to say this about yourself, so I have to say it. I appreciate you. it. But okay. So I, I, I get to play with a whole bunch of different people and it's awesome. Can I get I, your autograph just before right, we're done? Okay. Oh, oh my, my pickleball racket. Should never have brought up pickleball. But anyway, um, we, you know, I get to play with a whole bunch of different people. I, yeah. I play often. I really enjoy it. And um, one of the things that I try to be very intentional about is the way that um, I'm a very competitive person, right? I don't like losing, but when I'm playing, especially against, you know, different individuals that I try to compose myself, um, even especially with the word choices that I have and, and by that, I mean cussing in general. And so, um, and for the most part I I can handle myself Right. and I get asked all the time. And this is mainly by men in their fifties and sixties. Hey, you don't ever cuss. Why? I'm like, Oh, I'm I'm a minister. Oh, and then there's this, there's this big, there's this big ordeal about it for like five minutes and then it goes away. Right. But it's, it's crazy how people notice and then they'll bring it up again every now and then like, Hey, why, you know, you still, are you sure you don't ever cuss? I'm like, well, it's cause you've never been in the car with me. 
right. You've never seen somebody cut me off. It's because you've never seen me lose. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I've never lost you. (laughs) But it's, it's funny that like immediately when... I think people will hear that I'm a minister or something. There's this, there's this idea, and I say minister, but like even Christian in general. That there's no, but this, I think minister is like, I, I hear you. It's got a, a particular weight to it, right? And so you know, it's, and, and I know that, it, that if I were to you know say a cuss word, it would, it wouldn't be the end of the world, but it would 100% get acknowledged. It would be like, what, Roman? You know, and right. and 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 I guarantee you, at some point, it's going to happen. It, right. Like it's it's guaranteed to happen. So I'm said not you, perfect. you have to do the the Home Alone Joe Pesci like shimmer 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 shimmer. You have to <laughs> yeah add a, add a whole bunch of extras on there at the right. end. But I I I know the the pressure that comes from trying to have it together. Oh, from holding it. Yeah, that's a good example of that. And, right. And and I and, and I because you're worried that the testimony back to our testimony mm-hmm. and counter testimony, you're worried that you know the testimony would lose its impact. Yeah, absolutely. Perhaps. And so that pressure is, it's real and, and it's not just real for ministers. It's not just real for your quote church people. It's real yeah. for everybody because everyone has a, has this idea of what they want people to perceive them as. And that's good, I think for the most part. And, and so when you create or are trying to create this perception of who you are, um, and then you slip up from time to time, sometimes darkness becomes your only friend. Mm, interesting. And, and, and so it, that's a, that's a reality. And I, and I think that we need to be able to acknowledge that and say that stop. Yeah. So th- there's a lot of things that could bring us into, into darkness and doubt. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's, there's a whole lot there, but maybe some, one of the ways where one of the, maybe the the methods that we use to try to keep the darkness and the doubt at bay mm-hmm. is to is to be very regimented in the things um, you know, I, I guess I could use the term legalistic. I don't really want to use that term, but to be more, I, I like that, you know, to be more regimented in, okay, here are the good things yeah. and here are the bad things. And I, you know, I'm going to do the good things. I'm going to refrain from doing the bad things. Mm-hmm. And that's how I keep the doubt and darkness at bay. Right. But let, okay. So that may be one, one way to play it, but what if it may be, the, I feel like this is the guy sure. in Psalm 88, yeah. right? What if you do all the right things, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you never slip up and you're always just the, right. but you, but you never, you never, you never slip up, but yet you still have the doubt. The mm-hmm. doubt still comes in. It's like, wait, God, how, how come you haven't save me from this. How, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to my family? Like Mm why me? Why now I'm I'm your, I'm your person. Mm -hmm. Like, and I know who you are. I know you you don't want bad things to happen to me. Right. Right. So that's, here's what I think. I, I don't even have an answer to this. I just think the scripture is like, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, like no, I agree. Th- that's a, that's a place mm-hmm. where where you go, and you know what? It's you're you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And God, I guess through through the inspired writers here, God is okay with including that in in this collection in this library. Yeah, 
You know, 100%. Like this is, this is part of it. Doubt is part of it. Now what we do with it, where we go from there is, is something else. Yeah. Um, you know, when we talked about, you know, I don't want to feel like uh, in some ways I don't want to end the podcast by going to somewhere positive because again, I feel like all the classes and sermons kind of do that and Psalm 88 doesn't do that. Yeah. But I think what we did talk about last time is that, you know, with, with respect to uncertainty, how that sometimes maybe the uncertainty actually moves you from one level of faith to another, Mm -hmm. that it could serve to do that, to move you to a new place. And I think, you know, doubt being similar to uncertainty, I think it has that potential too, but I've got to acknowledge that it can also go in the other direction. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and this is a okay, so this is a story that probably a lot of people have heard and I'm and I feel like I've told a lot of stories right now, but this one kind of makes sense for me anyway, is the idea, the, the the man who gets stranded on an island and he prays to God and he's like, God, please save me. And like a boat comes and the, the captain's like, get on the boat, I'll save you. He's like, no, 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 God's going to take care of it. Boat drives away. The helicopter comes, hey, I'm here to save you. And he goes, no, 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 God's going to do it. And then, and, then a, and then an airplane flies in, hey, I'm here to save you. And he goes, no, 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 God's going to do it. And then he dies and he gets up and he goes to heaven and he's like, God, I thought you were going to save me. And the guy's like, well, I sent you a boat, a helicopter, and a plane. Right. What more do you want from me? And, um, and so, I mean, normally that story is told in the, the, you know, the perspective of, you know, God always gives you like a way out. God's sending something, right? God's sending something. And, and I, though I, though I do agree with that, we cannot forget that the man was still stranded on an island. He was. And and it's important to understand that that situation was not ideal. Like, that doesn't mean that at some point you're not going to be, you know, in quotes, stranded on an island. That you're not going to have this, 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 you're not going to have like the pressure. You're not going to have, you know, issues that come up. You're not going to have doubts. That doesn't mean that those things aren't going to happen. If anything, the Bible tells you it's definitely going to happen. But you look at Romans 8.28, you know, for those that love God... All things work together for the good of, let me make sure that I say it right. I just want to make sure that I say it right because I, uh, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who were called according to his purpose. And so um, the idea there is, is, you know, I think a lot, a lot of times it's not completely misinterpreted, but it's like, oh, well, everything's working for all these good things. Sometimes you're in a really bad situation and it's not the situation that you want to be in. I'm pretty confident that like, when people have doubt that they're not like, Oh yeah, I'm doubting today. I don't, I don't think that's how people really perceive that or how they go about it. But when people do doubt, they're stranded on that Island. But I I do think God gives and will continue to give opportunity. However, we have to be able to accept that. And sometimes accepting doubt is that opportunity that God is giving you because then it allows for growth. Right? No, I, I think that's right. And I think, um, I think also that, like, for instance, Mr. Whoever penned Psalm 88, that even though Romans 8.28 wasn't written yet, he seems to, from the beginning, already sort of get that. Oh, absolutely. But it's like he gets that, but mm-hmm. it's like he still, it's like no no boat comes, no helicopter comes. Right. Like nothing happens. I think, so let, let's put it this way. And, you know, maybe as we start to kind of wrap up here, I really think that in our lives, 
we let's start from this. We need to be on the lookout, like you were when you were doing that. You know, the the work the 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 work with children that right. had those backgrounds. We need to be on the lookout for people who are in the Psalm eighty eight oh, place, absolutely. right? Mm-hmm. Because maybe we are the boat, the helicopter, or yeah. whatever. And maybe they don't. Maybe somebody doesn't see us that way. Yeah. But if we do, if we are in relationship with people, hopefully we can tell. And hopefully we can be that person um, that can, you know, just like Job's friends. I mean, they may not have been the, you know, they might not have come up with perfect philosophical arguments, but they were there. They came, you know, so we can we can do that. So I think that's maybe, you know, part one is we need to be on the lookout for people that are in these places. Not that we can fix them or jump right in and quote Romans 828 and, right. and fix them, but that we can acknowledge where they're at, particularly if we have been there before. And that that's the second part is that, you know, I, I do think that what one of the things this tells us is that this is a reality of life. We are going to experience this. We probably have. We may be experience, you may be experiencing it right now as you're listening to this podcast, but, but we will experience times like this in the future. And so when we do, number one, I don't think there's anything fundamentally wrong with us. You know, number two, we fall in line with a long line of people, um, certainly characters from Scripture yeah. and, and people who, who wrote the Scripture. But, but yeah, I mean, we, we want to have eyes open for other people, you know, to, 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 to see how God might be working in that situation mm-hmm. to grow us, yeah. to, uh, you know, to, to open up and allow somebody else to help. Sometimes that's hard. Yeah. That's hard. Like if you're somebody who just can't let out a cuss word on a, <laughs> right. you know, on a pickleball court, right. is it a court or is it a, it's a court. Yeah. Okay. The pickleball court, then it may be difficult to accept yeah. help, right? Mm-hmm. Because you might be holding on so tightly that you can't loosen up to yeah. grab a hand. Well, definitely. You know, I it kind of makes me think of, I don't know, have you seen the movie Fury? Um, it's mm. like Brad Pitt, Shia LaBeouf, um, and a few other guys. I can't remember their names. It's, just, it's a really solid cast of guys. Okay, cool. It's a war movie. Um there is a fair amount of cussing in this movie. It's, it's, right, okay. you know, and, and in any way it's, it's, there's, there's this moment and it's like, in my opinion, one of Shia LaBeouf's like, you know, one of his greatest acting moments. And he's a, he's kind of a, I don't know. Wait, this is better than Transformers. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time <laughs> processing this, but go ahead. Go right. ahead. So he, um, he has this moment where he's, they're all, they're all kind of like broken down in this tank. They're tankers and they're like surrounded. Right. Uh-huh. And they have like options. They can either like try to get out, run away, or they can like stay and fight because there's like, basically they're, they're in a position to either hold off a bunch of these people and save like a platoon or however, whatever behind them. Um, and, um, Shia LaBeouf quotes Isaiah six, eight, um, and Isaiah six, eight is a really solid verse. Um, and it says, then I hear the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And, who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. And in that moment in the movie, it's like really powerful. I mean, and it's a powerful verse in general. Um, and you know, there's all this like great music behind it. And you're like, Oh my gosh, so fantastic. And, um, but just like you were saying, that's the mindset that I think that we need to carry is here. I am, send me, you know, the, the idea that, okay, I, I may not have everything together, but I know that, and, and, and even at times, 
I may be, you know, Psalms 88 guy. Well, in the fact, how about this? The fact that you are that guy or have been that guy or gal Mm -hmm. is actually helpful. Absolutely. It's helpful in that situation because if you approach somebody and you've never experienced or acknowledged this type of doubt in your faith journey, then what kind of a person are you going to be to commiserate with somebody who's in the depths? You're not. You're not going to be legitimate. You're not going to be believed. Yeah, no, 100%. And so I I think that, you know, know, as as we're wrapping up here, I, 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 I love you know, the idea of Psalm 88 and, you know, I know for a fact what I'm going to do is I'm going to go and that's going to get printed out. It's going to get put on my mirror. I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I'm intentional about reading that for myself. Um, because for me, that's something that I need to remind myself is that one, you know, that was written a long time ago. So I'm never alone in that thought. Um, but also with the understanding that because I have had these moments of doubt and because I have struggled that I now have, you know, perspective and experience that I can then help someone else. Yeah. And so though in those moments that doubt may seem like, you know, I may seem like a failure or I may feel like all this pressure is too much. At some point, God is going to be able to use that moment so that I can help someone else who also feels like it's too much. And I think that's so, so important to know and have perspective of because yet again, all things can work to the good, right? Yeah, and I I think that this is one that's sort of... You can say it in theory, but if anybody out there listening, if you've actually experienced that, it's it's super powerful. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's powerful. When you see sort of the, the unseen, I say when you see the unseen, when you experience the cosmic connection between some hurt that you have experienced in your life yeah. and then somebody else who's in the midst of that hurt, and I... And, you know, you may still be scarred by that hurt, right? You may have completely healed from that hurt. And it could be a whole, a whole host of different situations. But when you connect with that person mm-hmm. and you can provide some sort of perspective or help or hope mm-hmm. to that person, that's an incredible feeling. And I do think, you know, our antenna should be out yeah. for people. Sometimes it's, it's people that need to help us. Sometimes we're the Psalm 88 yeah. person and then sometimes somebody somebody else's but yeah what a great i mean what a like a negative chapter in the scripture but like there's there's a lot there that you know that's good good stuff that's real real talk Mm -hmm, absolutely and and so now looking towards next week and you know talking about the idea of uncertainty and what we're moving into next week is something that um i'm not going to say that i'm completely uncertain about but the idea and the topic of it makes me nervous sometimes. Right. And is that because you're not a woman? It's because I'm not a woman. Correct. And it's women's role. And, and, and at first, you know, Brad, I, and I think that's a privileged statement, just even <laughs> calling it women's role, what, what, which, which is interesting because I think when people say women's roles in the church, I don't even want to say that. I want to say like, you know, women's role in Christianity yeah. in spirituality. Why, let's, why don't we call it, uh, Let's call it equality, and then we'll start from there. Equality, and then, and then we'll, right. and then we'll, then we'll set up and and deal with arguments that would sort of uh, 
argue against equality. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, look, look at the idea of equality and then we're going to— Because we're dealing with the Bible, right? 100%. I mean, that's—we're going to be very honest about, okay, if this is sort of a, a text that we are using, mm-hmm. how, how does—what does the text, what does the Scripture have to say, and then what do we do with it? Uh, much like we did with divine violence yeah. or we did with politics or we did with some of these other—even mm-hmm. um, uh, we talked about Black Lives Matter. Yeah. You know, what, what, how, what is the interaction between the text because certainly within Christianity there's lots of different opinions yeah definitely. And so what we, what do we need two more opinions because yeah, there's not abs- enough out no, there 100% so that's what we're here for is more opinions <laughs> for you but it's gonna be a good discussion I think well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it but it is there is uncertainty there for us because yeah just I mean we have low voices but just to be clear we're, we're both yeah both men all right well hey thank you guys so much for being with us this week look forward to having you with us next week have a blessed day 